I looked around at people who were very confident and successful. Some of us might call them mentors or inspirations or, oh, that guy, or, oh, she, she just crushes it. I, I wish I had her job. Now let's take those people, kind of take them off the pedestal for a second and look at them and really figure out like what makes them great in our eyes. Like what makes them so confident? What makes them so successful? Really kind of like break it down like a math problem. What is it? And I, I did that and I looked and I, I realized, okay, some people are incredibly confident because they were born beautiful. Okay, great. Some people are amazing bodies and it's great. Some people just have that personality. Okay, fine. So remove everything that they were given to at birth. What, what else do they have? And a lot of times it comes down to just what they know, right? And it's experience. And they walk into a room and they don't have to say, um, like, or I don't know. And they don't have to stumble for words because they walk into the room as if they've been in the room a hundred times. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur. And I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and today's guest is real estate and media powerhouse, Ryan Serhant. You may recognize him from the hit show Million Dollar Listing New York, or perhaps you have read one of his books, Sell It Like Serhant or Big Money Energy. Ryan's energy, insights, and passion for life is contagious, and I'm super excited to share this chat with you. So let's get this conversation going and welcome Ryan Serhant to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to, to talk to you because you have, you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to real estate, when it comes to sales, negotiating. But what I where I want to start, I think, is you strike me as somebody who's pretty self-confident in the way that you carry yourself, the way you conduct your business and your presence online. But I know that wasn't always the case. I know you struggled a lot as a kid with low self-esteem. I know you were overweight. I know that you didn't have luck with girls. So as you look back now, what were some of the like staples that you did over the last 15 to 20 years that have, have developed this level of confidence that you have? Well, thank you for starting the podcast off by telling everyone I had no luck with girls as I was growing up. I really appreciate that. I think it sets sets the floor for our conversation. Now you know where everything starts. It's like it's like you watch uh, like the Social Network, you know the the Facebook movie, and like at the end of the movie, it all comes back down to like he built this whole company because of this girl right. um, that didn't like him. Hey, I didn't ha I didn't have a girlfriend in high school either, man. So I get it. That's why I relate. <laughs> Where the confidence from? From I, I think it's about being comfortable and not comfortable, right? So like when I was in school growing up, I could still go home. Like I could still stay home. I could still call in sick. I could still stay under the covers. I could still watch TV all day on a Saturday and not go out and play with friends or stay home and go to bed early and not go out and meet girls because my parents were totally fine with that. Are you kidding me? So I was super comfortable and anything outside my comfort bubble was terrifying to me. In part, I think, you know, I had to move a lot. My dad bounced around a lot when I was growing up. And so I had to make new friends like every two years. I moved eight times before fourth grade. And so 
like I, I was almost kind of like exhausted, you know, by the time I settled down when I got to high school, like going through the let's make a new best friend process because I thought it could change again at any moment. When I moved to New York after college, my back was up against a wall because I was I, I made the decision to go there with no job. I was going to use my savings, which were going to run out in like two months. I was going to figure this out. I was going to try to be an actor. And if I couldn't do it, I don't know what I was going to do. And there's something about being incredibly uncomfortable with no blanket or Saturday movies or anything to turn to. No parents, right? Just a wall. And it was either cut and run and complete failure or you had to figure it out. And when you're trying to be an actor in New York City or trying to be a salesperson or trying to work for yourself, be an entrepreneur and take initiative, your through line is the confidence you have in yourself to do what you want to do. Otherwise, no one will have any confidence in you. Like if you walk in desperate, no way is anyone going to hire you. And even now when people come into me, if you've got desperation in your pores, I need you to go figure out your stuff. Like go figure out who you are and then come back to me. I don't have the time, the bandwidth or the money to like help you through it. You know, there's just too much going on. And so one of the things that I did, you know, earlier that I still do to this day, and I talk about to kind of anyone who asks me, is I looked around at people who were very confident and successful. Some of us might call them mentors or inspirations or, oh, that guy or, oh, she, she just crushes it. I, I wish I had her job. Now, let's take those people, kind of take them off the pedestal for a second and look at them and really figure out like what makes them great in our eyes. Like what makes them so confident? What makes them so successful? Really kind of like break it down like a math problem. What is it? And I, I did that and I looked and I, I realized Okay, some people are incredibly confident because they were born beautiful. Okay, great. Some people are amazing bodies, and it's great. Some people just have that personality. Okay, fine. So remove everything that they were given to at birth. What, what else do they have? And a lot of times it comes down to just what they know, right? And it's experience. And they walk into a room and they don't have to say, um, like, or I don't know. And they don't have to stumble for words because they walk into the room as if they've been in the room a hundred times, right? They hit the ball as if they've hit the ball a thousand times, right? They, there's a famous sports quote from a golfer who's like, I, I made the putt with no nerves because I played like I already had the money in my pocket. And that was a light bulb moment for me saying, oh, well, I can't go get 10 years of experience tomorrow so I can have 10 years of confidence built in, but I can know things I can learn things. All I have to do is memorize information, read, and learn as much as I can, because then no matter what, if I get asked a question or I'm in a situation that I don't know something specific, I'll have a lot of other things I can rely on and talk about. And that changed my life. Like that was my light bulb moment and enabled me to say, oh, I don't have to be Ryan of today. I can be Ryan 12 months from now, and I can start being that guy today. And so I started writing down on a piece of paper once a year, I'd write out future me. Who do I want to be in one year? Who do I want to be in two years sometimes? And I would carry it around with me in my pocket, that piece of paper. One year it was on my notes in my app, right? My the apps in your phone. Sometimes you'll put it in like your medicine cabinet and it just reminds you whether you look at it and read it every day or not, just seeing the paper is a signal to your brain. We've got work to do. And future you is in that paper or in that note, and you're going to be that guy in less than a year, you've got to get it done.
And if you do it the right way, you will become the person you want to be in a year before the year is up. And that's how I keep myself moving forward every year. And that's how I stay humbly confident because I know that the person I am today is not nearly as successful as the person I'm going to be. And that the greatest deal I've ever done, I haven't even done yet. The best client I've ever met, I haven't even met that person yet, right? But the the best part about my life on my deathbed, when I look back, I haven't even lived that moment yet. It's in my future and I just know it. And so why would I look down at the ground? Why wouldn't I shake hands confidently? Why wouldn't I look someone in the eye? Why would I stumble? Why wouldn't I just be excited to be alive and to be excited about the things that I know and share them with everybody? And that's a really long answer to your relatively simple question. Well, you provided a lot of great insight and details. And I think, well, there's a few things. One is like success leaves clues. So look at people that you admire or people that have gone before you and done the thing and say like, what did they do to develop this aura, this level of confidence, this level of success? And then also like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and embracing the discomfort. I think a lot of people struggle like in that phase where you, your initial phase when you moved to New York, you had a few months savings and they have like a little bit of faith that they're gonna make it, but most of them feels like they're gonna collapse and they don't have the confidence that they're going to be successful just because of the odds. Like when was that point, that breaking point for you when you were able to push through that break like that point in your life and you kind of actually believed that you were confident and that you were going to make it and it wasn't just this facade that you had to believe to survive so i moved to new york city to do theater and to be an actor and it became very very clear to me very quickly that i could not afford to live in new york city while working for free which is what you do when you move to the city to try to do theater right no one's going to pay you to be a tree you got to be a tree for free on your own dime <laughs> right I got onto a soap opera. I got killed off the soap opera. I did some small paid modeling work, but it was it was hand modeling work. It wasn't anything sexy, although I do have great hands. And so I got my real estate license because that's what you do. Like it was at the time in 2008, it was like, all right, so you failed at the dream, become a real estate agent. Like that in New York and LA, that that's the process. Because you can make your own hours. You don't have to do anything. There's no boss. You get your license. If you got a friend who wants to rent a place and you say, hey, do it through me, you can make a couple thousand bucks. And that's the whole reason I got it. It wasn't to become a real estate broker. It wasn't to one day own a massive real estate firm. It wasn't to do any of the things that I ended up doing. It was just to stay in New York and pay my rent. But then I started actually trying to make some money. And so I would meet clients on the internet on like Craigslist and things. And I'd meet them at a Starbucks and then take them up to a couple apartment buildings in my khaki pants and cowboy boots, which were my nice clothes at the time. And I would then rent an apartment for $3,000 a month. All I had to do was show it to them, tell them it was great. They'd do an application. And the commission fee was typically one month's rent. So $3,000. I was a brand new agent. So you split it 50-50 with, your, with the house, with the brokerage. And all of a sudden, I just showed someone an apartment. I made a new friend and I got paid 1500 bucks for it. Like that's way better than manual labor, which is what I would do was doing like summers in college and high school. So then I just started doing that more and more than the acting thing because it just paid me better to be honest. And I was kind of acting too. Like being a salesperson is playing improv games. It's yes and every day with everybody. You're being authentic as yourself, but you're being presented with objections and problems and you're saying, got it. And and you're figuring it out. 
I had a lot of deals die and a lot of people yell at me. And I definitely was not born in New York City. I'm not part of the crew here. I was a total foreigner and I tried quitting a lot because it was like doing a deal is great, but not doing a hundred deals in a row, not so great, especially for your mental health. The rejection's really tough. But in real estate and sales, no one was rejecting me because of my nose or my hair or how hot tall I was, like they were in theater, right? As an actor. And then I had this, I was like about to really quit this one time in 2009. So I've been doing it for a little less than a year. And I got an email from a woman in China named June Shen looking for an apartment in the city because she'd seen one of my ads. Like as a brand new agent, you just post ads for apartments all over the place. And hopefully people, it's like you're fishing, <laughs> right? You're just, hopefully people reach out to you. There's right. no network. There's no referrals. There's no there's nothing. Like, let me, let me meet people on the internet. And I talked to her on the phone, spoke good English, said she wants to come to New York City and find an investment property. She saw this ad. Is it there? Can you send me other things? I don't know anyone in New York. Sure. She's buying for her daughter. You're a great mom. That's awesome. My, this is for when my daughter goes to college. Okay, great. Is she graduating now? Oh, no. No, no, no. She's not that old yet. Okay, how old is she? Well, she's not born yet. Okay, wow. But I'm pregnant. Okay, wow, wow, you are a mom that really thinks ahead. That is crazy. So her budget, it was a couple million dollars. I said, holy, wow, 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 because I'd only ever done little rental deals, you know, helping people find apartments to rent. I'd never done a sale. And so she flies here. But before she gets here, I told myself, it's like, you know what? And I looked around the office and I saw all these other people doing deals left and right as I wasn't. It's like, the only difference between me and these other people is that they wake up in the morning and tell themselves they can do it. And I wake up in the morning and I tell myself I can't. And then that desperation and that feeling of defeat carries on for the rest of my day. And obviously, I don't make any money. Obviously, no one wants to work with me. Obviously, I don't get more leads because I'm so defeated in myself and in this terrible job that I think I have now that I don't even do the work to make luck happen. And so now I've got this woman who's coming here from China, who knows what's gonna happen. I could pass her off, I could say meh or no, or I could just buck up and do it. So all these other people around me know more than I do. So I'm gonna learn, just like I did in theater, just like I did memorizing Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead and Romeo and Juliet and every Shakespeare play I ever had to memorize in my years and years and years of school, training to be an actor, I'm gonna memorize everything about the west side of Manhattan, which is what she wanted. I'm going to memorize everything about the buildings, everything about the streets. I'm not, I don't have to go to grad school. I don't have to do anything. All this information is publicly available. All I have to do is know it. That's it. I'm going to memorize the restaurants. I'm going to go into the restaurants and the coffee shops. So if she gets sick or tired or hungry, I can walk into one of those shops and say, hey, Bob, across the counter. And Bob would look at me and say, hey, Ryan. And I met Ryan. I met that guy yesterday. But it would seem like I'd known him forever. And it would make me feel more confident in my abilities because I would feel like, oh, this is what I do all day long. I got a car. I put it on my debit card. I got my first suit from Macy's, which is on 34th Street right next to Koreatown, which is where I lived at the time. I met her. She was so jet lagged. She fell asleep in the car the entire time. But to make a long story short, took her to one apartment, 80 Riverside Boulevard, apartment 21L. Took her in there in early 2009. She liked it. We negotiated a deal at 2.30 in the morning at the St. Regis Hotel because she was jet lagged and I was just on adrenaline. And did that sale and my commission after all splits and everything was just over $24,000. And I deposited that check in the bank and I knew at that moment, all I have to do is know things and lead with confidence, which is exactly what I did with her. I can do that with everybody now. And that's one random woman from China who called me. Imagine the business I could do 
if I had a plan, if I had a business plan, if I had structure to my day, if I had discipline, if I actually prospected and reached out, like if I actually tried, imagine. And, you know, now it's 13 years later. With everything getting more and more expensive, I am constantly looking for new ways to cut costs and find savings and also help my personal training clients do the same. That's why when it comes to buying my organic groceries and household goods, I am all about Thrive Market. With Thrive Market, you can shop everything from healthy pantry essentials to sustainable meat and seafood to frozen fruits and vegetables and non-toxic beauty products. And they are all delivered right to your door. Thrive Market carefully vets every product they carry so you can trust that if it's there, it's the best. Finding savings on items that matter most to you is easy with Thrive Market. You can find what you need because they have over 5,000 food, home, and beauty products. So if you're looking for plant-based, keto, or gluten-free, Thrive Market has you covered. Some of the things that I've really been enjoying from them lately are their chicken breasts, their fish, and their frozen veggies. Plus, when you shop with Thrive Market, you can save time and gas by not having to make that trip to the store because you can buy everything you need online. And best of all, if you happen to find a lower price elsewhere, Thrive Market will match it. So join Thrive Market today to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Doug Fitness to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. That's thrivemarket.com slash Doug Fitness. Again, it's thrivemarket.com slash Doug Fitness. Now back to the show. We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Danette May and Earth Echo Foods. Danette was a past guest on the podcast and shared her incredible story and how it inspired her to create her products such as Cacao Bliss, which I take every day, either in my coffee or in a smoothie. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then it's blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have. The result, fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it is friendly to keto, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, and vegetarian diets. So go to earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Again, earthechofoods.com forward slash Doug Check it out for yourself and learn more about the amazing benefits of Cacao Bliss. And when you enter in the promo code Doug at checkout, You'll get 15% off. That's awesome. What a story, man. And you mentioned that you were running off just pure adrenaline and you've talked about having this back against the wall mentality. And I know a lot of people when they grew up and experienced that same mentality of like, it's just, you have, it's like make it or break it, like literally that that carries on with them, even when they're successful. Have you found that to be the case with you? Like, do you still see yourself like constantly needing to push, push, push? Cause you feel like you have your back against the wall or have you kind of settled down a bit? Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> like after a long week where I'm just like beaten to a pulp on a Saturday morning with the baby, I, my daughter's three now, like I'll settle down for a bit, but my phone is right there. But then I'm back to it on Sunday. I work six full days a week. And when they're in Greece, which is where they are right now for, for Greek Easter, I work seven days a week. So there's no point in me like, what would I do if I was just home by myself? Like, I don't, I don't play video games. Like, I wouldn't like play with myself. Like, I would just, I want to work. I want to build. Like, I, now I don't have any distractions to go home or like feeling of guilt about family. They're seven hours ahead of me in a different country. 
having living their best life. Greece is a great place to hang out. So I'm just going to work. And so I still attack every day because it's all relative. The the goals I had when I was 24 are are meaningless to me now. They just got me to Ryan one year later. And then the goals I had when I was 25 got me to Ryan 26. And now like I'm 37 and I am attacking to make Ryan 38 the best life that he could possibly have because I work for future me. Like that's the guy. I used to for a long time have a doctored photo of my face aged to 80 years old right next to my computer screen as a reminder of who I'm going to be before I know it. And that's the guy that I'm going to be one day and his life better be awesome because if it sucks, he has no one to blame other than himself. And I don't want to make old people feel bad. So I still grind every day. And then it's just different. Like right now I run my own company. I've run my, I was a broker. I was a top team for five years. Okay, great. What's next? Starting our own business. Awesome. Why? In the middle of COVID lunatic. Sure. Okay. Let's do it. Let's make it work. Okay, great. It's working. Now we got to make it bigger. Now we got to make it better because it's there. Like, I think there's two types of people in the world. There's like the type of person that'll come to a mountain and walk around it. And there's the type of person that'll come to the mountain and say, I could walk around or I could get to the top and then I'll go down the backside, right? That way I can experience everything that's here because it's there. And I have the disease of the last guy. Yeah. So I think, I think many do. And, I, and as a matter of fact, I think the people that are successful in this world, like every single person has that same itch to climb up the mountain, fall a little bit, get back up and then make it to the top and come down on the other side. One thing I've noticed about you is you're a master negotiator. Like I've heard you talk about how you've negotiated up, negotiated down. And I've also heard you say that the person who cares the least in the deal has the upper hand. But I think, but I think it could be, there's like two extremes, I think, right? Like there's the person who cares the least that can be a complete jerk about it. And then there's the person who cares way too much and you can just tell that they're desperate. How does somebody find that happy medium so that they can, you know, put off this persona that they do, they aren't desperate, but they care enough that they still aren't going to be like rude about handling that situation? There's only two reasons anyone ever, ever buys or sells anything. Okay. It's either they need it or they want it. So you're constantly balancing between a need and a want. In my business as a salesperson, which most of us are in some way, shape or form, right? Like there's currently right now, as of this recording, 1.1 billion gig workers on this planet. By 2025, 50% of the workforce in the United States alone is going to classify as being part of the gig economy, meaning they're independent contractors and they sell something. Maybe they sell podcasts. Maybe they sell books. Maybe they sell orthodontic surfaces. What does it, whatever it is, you might think you have a craft, but what you really do is you are selling your craft to other people for a fee. And you either need that money or you want it. Um, I desperately needed money when I first got into it. And you could see it in my face, right? I was needy. I needed to pay rent. I didn't know what to do. You could read it all over. But the person in any negotiation or relationship who has all the power is the one who cares the least. And think about it. Like you have two people in a negotiation. One person needs to move. The other person wants to sell, but doesn't need to sell. The person who needs to move cares the most because they need to. And so 
they're going to have the lower hand. And the person who just wants to sell is going to have the upper hand. And so a, a negotiating tactic is to always remember that when you're going into situations. And then it depends how much you actually want it. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want them to think I need it. I want them to just think I want it. Okay, but do you need it? Well, yeah, I need to move. Is this the only place you're going to move to? Well, yeah, in this real estate market right now where the 30-year fixed rate just hit 6% for the first time since 2007, uh, yeah, yeah, I actually do need to move because there's nowhere to go. Okay, so pipe it down just a little bit, but the seller knows you don't have options. That's why they're on the market for twice the price they paid two years ago. So sometimes there's only so much you can do, but you just have to remember that line. Need and want. Determine which bucket you fall in and then carry on accordingly. Yeah, that's, that's really well said because I, I definitely have thought about times where I wanted something and I needed something. And what's really driven me to actually feel like I needed it was that like it was going to go be scarce or the supply was low. And that's kind of what we're seeing now in the real estate market with interest rates going up and, and things and things changing. People are, are seeing the supply go down a bit with it, with certain things. And they're seeing the, their, the ability to borrow money and, and get money is becoming harder because of interest rates going up. So that's a really good point. I know that one of the things that's fundamental for your success right now is your health and how you take care of yourself, how you take care of your body. Like in what ways does exercise and working out benefit you from a mental and emotional health standpoint? I think that all of us, whether we will agree with it or not, we are all creatures of habit. Whether your habits are good habits or bad habits, we're all creatures of them. Like we follow habits since the day we're born. Happy babies are babies that have routines, right? They have habits. They have their nap time, they have feeding time, keeps them happy. Right? Keeps their brain calm, allows them to sleep. Babies that don't have good routines set up by their parents or their caregivers are not happy kids. And it's just like, this is just proven. It's <laughs> human nature. And I don't think that ever really goes away. So physical fitness for me, I think it's important for me, obviously, to be in shape and to work out because I have such a terrible sweet tooth that if I didn't, I'd be at least 800 pounds. I was overweight as a little kid. And I don't ever want to do that again. It was tough on my skin. It was tough on my self-confidence and my esteem. It was tough on my dating life. It was tough on my ability to play sports. It made me just want to be a hermit. But then I found comfort in food. And then it was a never-ending cycle, right? You eat because you're sad. And then you're sad because you eat. But once I was able to kind of break that cycle, you know, what I determined was that the moving of your body each morning is an amazing start to your daily routine and your daily structure. And you've got to let discipline carry you or motivation won't. It's like a really important thing, I think, that, that people need to remember. Because like, think about a New Year's resolution. You're motivated to do it in January. And by February, what was my New Year's resolution? Nah, that sucks. I don't like that. Next year, you're going to try again. So you've got to allow the discipline and the structure, the calendar, and the commitments you've made to yourself be what carry you forward when you have really motivated Mondays, but when you have a really unmotivated rainy Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, you know? And that discipline starts with me every day, at least six days a week. Sometimes it's hard when I, when I travel to make sure that I work out and I have 
people I work out with. I have friends. Sometimes I just work out with by myself. But working out also is not necessarily fun. It's hard. Like, I think people might think like, oh, those people work out early in the morning because they just love it. There are days that you like it, but most of the time, no. Like, do you think I don't want to sleep in? Like, do you think I enjoy waking up at 4.30 in the morning? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, do you think I don't want to just like stay at home and watch TV and call in sick and like, I don't know, take up a pot addiction, maybe do drugs, like drink? Like, of course, that all sounds fucking awesome. Why do you think drugs are so addictive? Because they probably are awesome. <laughs> like, I wouldn't know and I would never try because I probably would get so addicted I would die. Physical fitness in the mornings is the hardest thing you're going to do all day. And I want to start each day doing the hardest thing. Nothing in my day is going to be harder than deadlifts. That is for sure. Like nothing in my day is going to be harder than the stupid Stairmaster. Nothing. No conversation, no showing, no, no nothing. Like deadlifts will take the cake, right? Same thing that I do with, with business things, like conversations, right? Things I need to do, like confrontations. I make sure I do the toughest part of my day first because I believe in the art of surprise. Then other person's going to want to procrastinate that confrontation all the way to the end of the day as well, just like you are, and then it's going to wait. Da, da, get it over first thing in the morning, early, right? Everyone's fresh, they're ready, and also nicer. And yeah, those are my, those are my, my thoughts on that. I could talk about that for like, hours and hours and hours. Well, as a, as a trainer of over 11 years, I mean, I, I love physical fitness, obviously, and I could talk about it forever. And I just I see so many benefits mentally, emotionally, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-discipline, like all these things. And I, I just think it's so important to do it for all those non-physical reasons. You mentioned addiction and you said that if you, you felt that if you did drugs that you would be addicted to them. Have you ever found yourself like addicted to the hustle, addicted to money, like addicted to the grind? I'm 100% addicted to the adrenaline. Yeah, I feel lost on days that are slow. Like when it rains in the city and everyone cancels appointments or like on a holiday, like I have a problem. I always find work for myself. I always... I, I create chaos all day long. There's a girl that's been with me forever, my, almost my entire career, and what she's always told other people about me, she's like, Ryan creates his own chaos and then assembles it, and then creates more chaos and then assembles it. And I don't know, I think that's just always the way that I've, I've been. I, 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 I'm not too great at sitting still, but I will. Like, I, I sit still when I feel like I've, I've earned it. You know, like my wife and I just went to the Maldives, that was like 21 hours in, in airplanes. It took three airplanes to get there. It was so long. I couldn't do anything. Like, and it was just so tired. So I sat super still. I watched like every movie. And I was fine. Like we were at the beach when we were there. There's nothing to do in the Maldives. There's like 3,000 islands. You can go to different islands, but they're all the same. So you stayed on one. You can't really go too far. So like... But I earned it. Like that trip, you know, kind of first quarter was insane, busy, exhausting. Let's do it. Let's go take a trip we wouldn't ordinarily do. Leave the baby with your mom and we'll rock and roll. I love it. So you brought up the the idea. You talked about how disciplined you are. You get up at 430 in the morning. You do something hard, whether it's physical fitness, whether it's having a hard conversation. But I know you didn't start there. And I think a lot of times with people, when they're looking to develop more di discipline or structure, or whatever you want to call it in their lives, they try to go from like zero to 3000 and they just book their calendar 
full with certain things that will help them do that. And I know it doesn't work for a lot of people. So what were some of the simple things you did early on to help yourself develop this level of discipline that you have? Well, when you don't work for someone else and you live in a city all by yourself and you just got to make money, most people think, okay, I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go do a thing and someone's going to pay me to do that thing. And then I'll leave at a time and I'll come back at another time. That is most people. I didn't really want to do that. Like that didn't seem fun to me at all. I never really wanted to work for anybody else. Like why would I let anyone else ever tell me what to do? So I had to create a system for myself, right? As an entrepreneur, as an independent contractor, as an actor, like as somebody who wakes up every day without someone telling him where to be, I, I have to have a system like a baby. You have to have habits. And so I realized that, okay, as my own boss, that means I'm basically my own CEO, CFO, and COO. That means that I've got to find business, keep business, and do business. So I created this system for myself a long time ago called Finder, Keeper, Doer, where I would break down my calendar in three blocks. Finder time, keeper time, doer time. Finder time, I find business. I prospect. I'm my own CEO. I'm meeting people. I'm making relationships. I'm, I'm building. I'm thinking about bigger things other than just that day. Keeper time, I'm taking care of current business. I'm keeping kind of uh, tabs of everything I, I possibly can, right? I'm looking at the money, the accounting, keeping care of everything. And then doer time, I do all the work. So all the work that I was going to do. That's when I do all that doer time. And then slowly over time, it shifts. But yeah, so finder, keeper, doer really was like a huge saving grace for me. Because then, oh, I have things I have to do today. Even if I don't have appointments, I got my finder time starts at eight. And could I cheat? Sure. But then like, then you're the kind of person that lives in filth. Like you go to your apartment and it's a disaster and destroyed and just gross and dirty. Like who, who are you doing that to? Like yourself. So like you have probably pretty, pretty low self-worth then. And then like, I can't help you on this podcast. Like you, you need to go talk to somebody else. You need to get okay with yourself and take care of yourself. I still make my bed. Not all the time. I have people who make it. But this week when my wife's in Greece, like, I can't leave the house with my bed unmade. Like, future me in 12 hours or whatever is going to come home and be like, ugh. So I got to make this place nice. I bought this damn house. Better be nice all the time. And anyone who comes in my house, if you touch my walls, so help me God. That's funny. And I like how you like block out the time and keep yourself organized based on different levels of tasks based on what you're trying to accomplish. Because a lot of people, they, they really don't do that. They'll just say, okay, I know I have to go to work from like nine to five. I might grab a workout here. I might do a yoga class here. I might go out for happy hour here. And then they do it all over again the next day where it's like, if you're trying to start something for yourself and you're trying to be your own boss, if you're trying to succeed and live out your dreams, whatever they are, like you are the COO, CEO, and CFO of that dream. Yeah. And listen, everyone needs to take everything they hear everywhere with a grain of salt. What works for one person doesn't work for everybody. You got to take the best and leave the rest. What works for me might not work for someone else. Listen, someone listening right now might have four kids, might have to do carpool, might have two jobs. Guess what? They, they can't do finder, keeper, doer the way that I do. They might not be able to do it in any way because they have two other jobs, but they also do want to start something. And maybe they only have an hour a day and it's at night before their eyelids just shut. That's their life. And you got to work around it and you have to figure it out. But I think like, I like 
doing podcasts and then and listening to them as well because I there's always like one nugget that I can take away that that really does make sense for my life. Like, I'm glad I heard that or learned that because I never really thought about that that way and then might set me off on a whole new path. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think that's something that people need to hear is that you really shouldn't be developing your identity based off somebody else. You should have your own identity and then try to add in different nuggets and tips you hear from somebody else into where it fits with your identity so you can progressively get better in a way that works for you. I want to go back to the negotiating thing because I know that you sold a house for like $133 million or something. And I can imagine, I mean, at least if it were me, that that I would really want to make that deal happen. So how did you like manage that energy of yours to not come across as really needing to get that deal done, but at the same time staying persistent enough to make sure that it happened? It's a tricky deal to have that conversation because a deal happened in such a weird way. Like I, I basically started working with that guy on a Tuesday. We decided that he was then interested in Florida on like a Wednesday. We flew to Florida on Thursday. That deal was done by Friday. When you deal with people like that, they don't have time to mess around. They don't have time for analysis paralysis. They're not overthinking every little thing. Like They want to get things done, right? I made up my mind. That's a decision. I'm going to execute on it. I hope it was the right one. On to the next thing. And so am I the greatest broker in the world? Yep. Do I tell myself that? Yep. Am I going to make this happen if he's going to buy something? Yes, I am. I need to go learn Florida. And I did that all day that Wednesday. That was one year ago, like right now, actually. I spent a day and I learned the Palm Beach market. I learned everything. I learned schools, streets, comps, architects, designers, who the plumbers were, who the contractors were, right? Where the flood zone was. I learned everything. Who's the mayor, who's the governor, who's the local city council, like everything. Because that's what confidence is. That way, I go down. I know too much. I'm like over-prepared. And I would say one-tenth of the stuff that I learned the day before, I had to talk about in those showings. Because then it just comes down to showing beautiful property and kind of you know uh, discussing value. And that house was on the market for 140. We saw it. We walked in. We left. He said, go get me that one. We went to a couple others just so we could see. And they paled in comparison. Like it's just, you know, it's just relative value depending on how much money you have. And the tax situation in Florida is, is pretty beneficial if you're staying in the U.S. and not going to Puerto Rico. And so we did that deal in a day, and it was crazy. I remember almost every part of it. I remember the night, the day that deal was done, because I couldn't fly out till Saturday morning. I took myself to dinner by myself on Friday night, and I like sat there by myself. It's like I, I just sold the most expensive house in the United States, definitely in Florida, the only house that was more expensive was Jeff Bezos' off-market deal where he paid $165 for David Geffen's house, but that was crazy. This house is, is nuts, and this is going to make waves. And I just started my own business three months ago. I am going to use this to propel us forward forever. Success begets success. Power of PR, right? One of the greatest books I read when I got into the real estate business is this old book called The Fall of Advertising and the Rise of PR. It's all about push and pull. Advertising is pushing your message onto everybody else. PR, social media, all that is pulling everyone into your message. And that's what I did with that. And it is 
catapulted our our business. Incredible, God, man, what a deal! And I, I, I kudos to you for making that happen. And I can only imagine like the level of excitement, joy, and everything else that came along with that when that thing was was done for for so many reasons. Um, I want to go into like selling. And I know what you do on a daily basis is obviously you sell real estate, you sell dreams to people and and that sort of thing. But I'm thinking of it from like a personal standpoint. There's some people that are trying to sell themselves in a job. They're trying to sell themselves on a date. And a lot of what helps people get those things is giving off that you're worth more or you have a, a level, a higher level of value than actually, that actually, that actually exists. So like what tips do you have for someone when they're in that process of trying to sell themselves to a significant a partner, to a job so that they can succeed and not quote unquote, come on too strong? A couple of things. I mean, again, I could answer that question for 10 hours. First, people hate being sold, but they love shopping with friends. So you got to keep that in mind, whether you're selling someone a house, shoes, selling yourself for a promotion or a raise or a new interview for a new job, meeting a date that you just met on an app, you're always selling yourself in some way, shape, or form. And no one likes being sold. Why do you think e-commerce exists? You know, it's like, hey, can I help you with something? Can I help you with something? No, no, thanks. I, I would go buy it on Amazon. <laughs> like, I don't want anyone to bug me. I'm going to go watch Netflix and buy this on, on, my, on my phone. But people love advice. Because no one knows what they want until you show it to them. No one knows what they should buy. Why do, you, why do you think influencers are so powerful in marketing these days? Because people don't know what clothes to buy. There's too many. They don't know what cars to buy or movies to watch. So if they follow somebody that I, they think they have a personal connection to, and now that person is wearing those shoes, oh, well, she's my friend on social media anyway. I'll buy those shoes too because she's verified them. If they work for her, they work for me, right? It's like back in the day when people used to go to the mall. I was going to go buy one by myself. I'll go with a friend. How does this look on me? Yeah, good. I was thinking that, oh, no, you like this one? Oh, sure. She might have just sold me. She, my friend might have just taken the commission from the store. I don't know. But I feel good about it, so it doesn't matter. The other thing is every person you meet going forward, you always have to think about the two Cs, which are connection, okay, an immediate kind of connection and having something in common, and a compliment. And so the way to make a short-term friend who could turn into a long-term friend, the way to make a client, the way to make anyone like you and trust you off the bat, you walk in or you're on the phone or on the Zoom, immediately compliment them on something authentic. It could be their shirt, their hat, their glasses, their house, their baby. And pick one thing. It's not hard. You could compliment anyone all the time. Then find something in common, right? What do we have in common? You started this podcast before we recorded by talking about, hey, we're on the same coast. Yep, same time zone. Is it rainy there? Hey, we have the, now we have something in common. Pretty general, all right? Pretty vague, but, but still it's something in common. And now we can start a conversation. Hey, we're alike. There's billions and billions of people on this planet. You and me, we're alike and we are together in this moment. What else could this connection become? You do those things, you establish trust in you. You make anyone your friend. And then you're just creating value, right? Showing your value. What is your relative value? And really knowing what you want. Like I knew that guy, I wanted him to buy a house. I didn't know I wanted him to buy that house. I wanted him to buy a house. I'm gonna sell you a house. I want a raise, I'm gonna get a raise. Okay, so don't go in there asking for a raise. Go in there and showcase your value for why your current pay is not market for your value. Also, 
tell them how you're already being that next role that you want to be promoted to before I am the role, right? Be the role before you're the role. That's, that's like, that's just science, you know, start taking the initiative, start being that person so that they don't even have to promote you. They're just going to say, listen, you, you're, you're great. Um, how would you like to do this? Let's talk about comp and everything. We can't lose you now because you just take initiative all day long versus sitting there complaining, bitching, moaning, trying to get extra PTO days, mixing in sick days. You just quit. If you don't like a job, don't work there. Go work somewhere else. You can work from home now. You can work anywhere. You can do virtual work, you know? And really, really, really too, I think everybody should do a little exercise where you go to a friend that you trust the most to be mean to you, to be honest with you, okay? And you tell them, please define me to me without using my name. Who am I? To you. How would you, how would you describe me to a friend without using my name? And see what they say. I did this, and I was the really tall, gray-haired, white guy who's not as funny as he thinks he is, kind of shy and awkward, stares at the ground all the time, it's super weird, and shakes hands weird. I was like, what, dick? That's how you think of me? But it like opened my eyes. Okay, my, I know my hair is gray. I went gray when I was 16. Thanks, I've been, I've been through this. Um, I chose not to dye it anymore. That's annoying. I'm tall. That's a good thing, I think. Why do I look at the ground? That's a thing that you notice about me, that I look at the ground when I walk? Like, yeah, you don't make eye contact with people. It's, it's weird. He's like, dude, you asked me, man. You, you asked me to tell you these things. I'm sorry. Let's be friends. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is good for me. It's good for me. You know why? And I totally didn't even realize they still do this. Growing up, I had cystic acne. I had really bad skin. And when I made eye contact with people, their eyes I would watch as they darted around my face, which would make me feel bad. And I'd feel self-conscious about zits and my acne. And so it was easier walking down the hall of the school or through town if I just didn't make eye contact, kept my eyes on the ground. It's fine, right? That way, I don't have to feel bad going for a walk. All right, well, my skin isn't like that anymore, but the muscle memory is still there. Weird. I didn't know. Thanks for telling me. And I guess that ties into my handshake, too, because I just was never really good at, like, bad handshakes, I guess. Um, I'm going to work on it. Thanks. And you take the best and you leave the rest. I like my gray hair. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to own it. It's going to be my calling card. It's going to be this thing. And it's become my calling card. And it's so weird. We talked about selling yourself. And I think one of the biggest tips I think that you just mentioned that you indirectly mentioned about selling yourself is being able to own your imperfections and being comfortable with who you are and being able to take advice from other people. And, and sometimes it's going to be advice that maybe you don't want to hear so that you can get better at seeing your shortcomings and owning them so that you can come to the table with another level, add a level of confidence. I selfishly want to ask this because this is something that I personally struggle with as, as somebody who has had my back up against the wall for a good bit of my life. And I still struggle with that same mentality that, that you do as well. I struggle with patience. And I, I really struggle like to balancing persistence and patience. And I know that sometimes I've maybe pushed things too far and been too persistent. I'm like, dang, I should have been more patient. And then other times I'm like, I should have been more persistent. Like, how do you navigate that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep goals. Yeah. I keep goals. Like at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to the goals. And you got to remind yourself of what those goals are. And nothing happens overnight. I'm impatient too. I text someone in the morning. They don't text me back by three o'clock. Are you dead? Did you die? 
Are you on fire? Should I call 911? And you forget that people have lives and they do other things or they left you on on red or whatever might be going on, you know? And so you, something, you know, that we say a lot is like endurance for the win, right? The tortoise in the hare, like the classic children's story. Patience pays off greatly, but it's okay to also be impatient. As long as you're being impatient with, like with reason, you know, otherwise you could, you could become very unhealthy or it could be a nuisance or super annoying to people. And you got to walk that, that fine line. But if you're diligent and on top of it, now I'm not being impatient. I'm just following up because you told me to follow up by Wednesday. So did you die? <laughs> like, you know, like I'm, dude, I'm in my finder time right now, man. I'm, I'm staying on top of you. You told me to. So here I am. And just like really, really staying true then to the goals. Like I'm impatient all the time, but then I look back at the year and I say, oh, I got what I wanted and then some. So things must have worked out, even if I was impatient kind of along the way. But I, I think incredibly, I don't know. It's a good question because I, I am also impatient and it's something I fight against, but I think it's okay because that impatience is, I think part of the same family is competitiveness, right? Part of the same family is like envy and jealousy that are not great, but they push you to do better and do more. Like I'm on a show called Million Dollar Listing New York that's been on Bravo for 10 years. And I have a counterpart on that show who most people who've watched it would say is my arch nemesis. And that's partly true. But if he didn't exist, if he wasn't my damn arch nemesis, if I didn't have to compete with him on everything all the time, I don't know if I'd be here today. Like at the end of the book, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight about the founding of Nike, right? He thanks Adidas. Without Adidas, would he have tried as hard? I don't know, right? Without competition, you're not going to give it your all because it's going to be, all right, well, I got it in the bag anyway. Right? I guess I don't have to try. But with competition, with fear of loss, I don't want to lose. I have to win. How are we going to win? We're going to win. And I think that impatience fuels that a little bit. I think you got to take, uh, I just sold an apartment for a guy named Mark Manson who wrote a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and all his others. Crushes life, Mark, a great guy. And one thing that he talks about in his book and that like if you follow him on social and like the blog and everything is like, don't, don't ignore negative feelings, right? Don't say, oh, I shouldn't be feeling that. Listen to them, learn from them, and then use them. You're angry. Use anger as fuel to then do good for yourself going forward. Like if you're jealous, use it as fuel. That's fuel, right? It's fuel. Good feelings are the reward. That's you feeling good in life. I mean, that's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we live for, right? We're here to procreate and feel good. Like that's that's about it. Everything else is fuel for moving forward. Right. And moving forward has been a theme of your life as well as goal setting. So my last question to you is like you do this exercise once a year where you envision yourself a few years down the road, a year down the road, whatever it is. Like, where do you want where do you see yourself in the next year or two? Like, where is Ryan at age 40? That's a good question. 40. Well, I told my wife that for my 40th birthday, I'm getting a yacht in Greece with models and bottles and she's allowed to be there, but no cameras. So if I make it to 40, that's the goal. But in all seriousness, by the time I'm 40, 
So I was, so what year will that be? I'm, so I'm about to turn 38 this year. So then we'll have two more years. I want to be in every state under our company. I want to be selling in every state. I want our ed tech business to be crushing it. I'd like to have at least one, if not two more kids by then, and then be done. And I want to be infinitely happy. I just want to be happy and excited and have, you know, the excitement of my next year and the career that we're building. You know, I think if I could have all that, I'll be good. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for for sharing so openly and honestly in this conversation. You dropped so many gems that I think people are going to hopefully get a lot out of and apply to their life. And you're all over the internet. You're all over social media. You've written a couple books. You're on YouTube and that sort of thing. So if people want to connect with you, if they want to follow along the journey, if they want to check out some of your courses and stuff like that, like where's the best place for them to do that? I'm at Ryan Surhant everywhere. Personal website, Ryan Surhant, A-N-T is in Thomas.com. We want to buy or sell real estate through us. We're in every price point. We sell everywhere, Surhant.com. Uh, the books are on Amazon and sell like Surhan and Big Money Energy. I'm really into TikTok now. TikTok's the best social media platform there is. I bear, I, dude, I like, I was talking to my team about it last week. We all looked at each other and we're like, when was the last time any of us went on Instagram? I think everyone's going to transition to TikTok now. I don't think Instagram's fun anymore. I don't even know who I follow and who I do follow. I don't even see and I don't even use the feed. I'm just going through stories, but it's the same people. I don't even know how to make it different and on tiktok i see it's like tv i see different things all the time and i learn learn things i don't need to know but now i know them <laughs> and, and then it's more and then it's more fun and it's quick and it's easy and there's more engagement and so you know come, come follow me on tiktok at ryan sarant sweet well i'll make sure to plug all that stuff in the show notes and tiktok definitely is fun and for those listening what i'd like you to do is to share a takeaway Maybe it was something that Ryan said about self-confidence. Maybe it was something he said about negotiating. Maybe it was something that he said about the importance of physical fitness, whatever it was. Tag Ryan and tag myself because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we'll see you next time.